I want to talk to you this morning about letting your light shine. We've had two ladies to stand up and let the light shine. And the light is Jesus. It wasn't nothing about them. It was about what God can do. It was about calling on God. It was about our church coming together on the prayer line, using the technology to reach throughout the world, throughout our community, in one moment, and people have the opportunity to pray. And we have prayer service on Sunday nights, and we've been praying for a lot of these things. And we have to hold on to that. Does anybody know what April the 15th is? That'd be the 14th. Tax day. Is everybody getting your taxes ready? Have you done done them? Done done them? Done did them? Have you already done? Well, since everybody understands and knows what that day is, I want to tell you something else. Really, the night before, Sunday night before, we're starting revival. Amen. We've been praying. I don't know if y'all have. I've been praying about us having revival. I need revival. I don't know about you, but I need revival. Our community needs revival. Our church needs revival. Churches throughout this state, throughout this world need revival. There's a lot going on there's a whole lot of darkness that's coming down and we need revival where does it start everybody do this right here revival starts right here in me if I don't want revival it ain't coming God says alright we'll just wait a little longer I'll show up when you're hungry for me I'll show up when you want to hear from me and that's what we're seeking I'm working out some different speakers to come, but that doesn't matter. What matters is, is will God come? So for the next, what is that, six weeks? Do the math on that real quick, me. One, two, three, four, five weeks. We got five weeks to be in prayer and to be calling on God to come and revive us. I'm going to ask you to invite your lost family and friends to church. I'm going to ask you to be praying for God on their behalf, lifting them up, giving them to God, and that he will make the way that they can have salvation. Because, folks, this thing's getting ready to end. It's getting ready to end fast. Do you believe that today? I mean, we, we can sit and talk about all the junk that's going on in the world. This junk's been going on in the world since the beginning. Ever since the man got kicked out of the Garden of Eden, the junk has been there. It's been a different form, but it's been the same thing. We hear these things. It's happening in our nation. We don't like these things. This stuff's been going on, folks, and it's been going on, and it's been going on. But the sad part is, is the church is now dealing with these things within its walls, within its body, within its membership. Now that is a sad, 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 sad testimony. So we're coming together for revival. I want to see God move in a mighty way.
I'm hungry for that. Are you? We need God. Oh, how we need God. So I want to talk to you this morning about letting your light shine because for the next five weeks, let your light shine. Where does that light come from? It comes from Jesus. If you have been saved and if you are saved, you have been called to be a lighthouse. You've been called to be a soul winner. You've been called to be a witness. In Philippians 2 and 15, we're going to go to Philippians 2. That's where we're going to be at this morning. It says that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Do you see what that just says? It tells us to stop complaining about where we live. You can't control your neighbors, can you? You can't control who you're going to have as a neighbor, can you? Stop complaining about where you live. Stop complaining about where I work. It's an ungodly place. They carry all kinds of filthy language. They're telling all kinds of jokes. Stop complaining about that. Because maybe, just maybe, God's put you there to be the light. You understand what I just said? You're there to be the light. How else are they going to know who he is unless you and I shine? We're living in a neighborhood who doesn't seem very Christian anymore. Our whole neighborhood through here. People are doing whatever they need to do this morning. The time changing and it messed everybody up. Now, if the time would have changed, and I'm going to get a little mean right now, if the time would have changed tonight instead of last night, do you think anybody would be late for work? No, they wouldn't. We don't like the time to change, but it is what it is, and that's what they're doing, so it's changed. Look on the bright side. We get a little extra daylight at night. Get some work done. Praise the Lord for that. <laughs> you see, God puts us in this place. It says here what we just read. In the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. You see, we're not a part of that. We don't have to be a part of that. We make the choice, right? We make the choice as to whether we're going to talk the talk that people talk. Whether we're going to believe or say that they, what the world says is right is right. We can make the choice that we're saying, no, I stand with the Bible. I stand with the Lord, and the Lord says no. And we make that choice, and we are put in the midst of it. God put us here so that we can let our light shine. It's bad. It is bad. But I am, I, I'm afraid that many churches have become sacred societies of the snubbing of sinners. We don't want them in our midst. Many people don't. It's become this little group of people that have not been a light for the world but have become a lot like a, a department store. A department store that locks the doors and don't let anybody in and then they just sell to one another. See, we're doing a, a fundraiser this morning. We, I mean, I, I'm going to tell you that we got enough soup over there and beans and the, all this kind of stuff. Just pick your crock pot and you can eat it alone. 
because there's plenty to go around. But we're raising money for missions, and that's what we're doing. But when we come in this morning, we're here to learn. We're here to be used by God and for him to teach us and, and, and to strengthen us. Not only are we going to get food for our bodies, but we're getting now food for our souls, food for our spirits. That's what this is about. That's why we have the preaching. That's why we have all these things. But we're going to have revival. And I'm asking you, I am begging you, pray and then invite. If you say, well, I've been inviting them for 25 years, well, do it one more time. Keep praying. Does, not God, does God not honor our prayers? He does honor our prayers. And I'm telling you this morning that the reason that Jesus went to the cross is for the lost. Every one of us, we get that. I'm sure all of us in here are saved. We get that. That's why he came. And when we pray, and when we pray for those that are lost, I'm telling you, get down to business with God and lifting these names up before the Lord. The devil don't want it going on. Now, who are we going to serve? Are we going to serve God or are we going to serve the devil? We're going to serve God. We're going to call on God and lift these names up every single day. Every time that the Holy Ghost lays somebody on our minds, we need to be talking to the Lord and saying, Lord, don't forget who they are. Remember them, Father. I don't, I'm not their judge, but they are living a life that shows that they are lost. And please, God, get them to a place that they can find you. And I'm begging you, church, pray for those that are lost. Pray for those that at once was sitting among us and for whatever reason in the world have gone away. Gotten mad about this or that. Whatever it may be, lift them up in prayer. Not so much God fix them, but God bring them back. Make the way. Lift them up and let the devil know where he stands. If we are not in prayer and if we are not in fasting for those that are lost in this world and those that we know, who in the world are we worshiping? Don't grow weary in well-doing. What we are doing is we're lifting them up. I've talked to people and said, what about your lost friends? Well, I don't have any. Why? Why don't you have lost friends? That don't mean you're doing what they're doing. But Jesus was crucified because he was a friend of sinners. He came for those very people. And he says, I'm sending you to go out and to win these very people. You see, yeah, we're to be separated from the world and the actions that they do, but that doesn't mean that we're isolated, folks. We just don't walk where you walk. If that's where you're walking, I'm not going to walk there with you. But I'm not going to be isolated that you can't even come and be a part of who we are and what, we, what we're trying to, to learn. We're trying to serve the Lord. Is anybody here getting it right, right now? Anybody need some more of God? Let me see your hands. Do you need him in your life? 
Do you need him helping you? Do you need him shedding some more forgiveness? Do you need him in pulling you closer? And that warmth of his love just comes in. Do you need that peace? We all are there. If we are honest, we need revival. We need more of God. But if we're not going to let our light shine, what good is it? What good is if we're not going to let our light shine? Jesus said that we're the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Salt penetrates, light illuminates. Preaching this morning is not to beat us up. Preaching this morning is to shed light. Now, don't we all need some more light? I do. We need more of his light showing and shining in on us for these things. Now, let's go. I'm going to read all this scripture here real quick. Philippians 12, uh, 2, 12 through 17. Therefore, my beloved, as you, always, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing. That you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice of service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you. God's putting something to us there. Let's back up into verse 8 of that chapter. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even the death of the cross. What we just read in verse 12, that you always obeyed, as you have always obeyed, as you have always obeyed. It's about trusting and obeying. You will not obey somebody that you do not trust. Huh? Am I right on that? Now I can tell you right now that there is a... <coughs> There's a cup of coffee over here that I had 25 years to your youth. Everybody get up and run over and get it. Susie will serve it to you. You're just going to add time to your life. You're going to look younger. You're going to feel better. It's, a just, it's kind of a really a magical cup of coffee. Everybody go on now, and I'll finish preaching when you get back, and you can drink your coffee. Go on, go get it. Why are, you, why are you not moving? You don't believe what I'm telling you, do you? If you <laughs> nine years old. <laughs> you don't go simply because you don't believe and trust what I'm telling you. You see, when we believe and when we trust, we will obey the Lord. When we're not obeying the Lord, we don't believe and we don't trust in Him. It's that simple. We, I can't make it any better. We, we, we talk about and churches talk about that they don't have enough money to reach people. That's a lie. Did you, 
Did you know that's a lie? I don't care if you've got $200,000 in your church bank account or $20. That's a lie that we don't have enough money. We can sit here and say we don't have enough personnel. Ashley's had people abandon her in the children's ministry. But you know what? If she leans on that, she can't hang on to that. We, I can't hang on to it as a pastor that people are abandoning the church that we don't have enough people to reach. Oh, yes, we do. That's a lie. Because that puts our faith in people. That puts our faith in men and what men are capable of doing. It's a lie is what it is. The simple reason that we are not doing and trusting is because of our trust and obeying the Lord of what he has for us to do. We're going to do revival. God told me last Sunday morning, I don't know if you remember it, when I was preaching, I announced it to you because I had been praying and that's when God spoke to me. And I done throwed it out there to you, so we got to do it. But the thing is, he knows what he's got in mind. Now, I could have said, well, Lord, let me hold off on this. I've got to make some phone calls. I've got to see how this is going to work out. No, we're going to trust and we're going to obey. I'm looking for revival in five weeks. Just before we celebrate Easter, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. That's what it's about. He was dead and then he was alive. He was raised from the dead. What a better time to have a revival. What a better time. Boy, you talk about a testimony for Jesus. What a time. But obeying God and trusting God, it's not something that's optional. As a believer this morning, as a follower of Jesus Christ, it is not optional whether or not we will obey. When we hear the word, we don't have the right to think, I will or I won't. The only answer is, I will. We're not making choices here. It's not an option to sit down and weigh the odds. It's not an option to sit down and to see if this is what I feel like doing. Because if it's what we feel like doing, we won't have revival. As a matter of fact, we wouldn't have had a soup dinner today. There was nobody that felt like fixing it. Did it not take effort? Did it not take money? Well, where did all that come from? It came from God. If you had money to fix a soup today, it's because God has blessed you to be able to do that. If you had the ability to get up and do it, it's because God gave you the health to do it. And you got up this morning and showed up to church. You got up earlier this morning than you did yesterday. Even though the clock says something different, you lost an hour of sleep last night. I don't know about you, I can't just turn it off and on like that. I'd love to. It's going to take a few days. And by the time fall gets here, I'll be ready to get that hour back. <laughs> because you don't make it up. They told us one time in our, in our work that shift work was hard on you. You set up and you stay up and you, you press on and press through and you can go home and sleep an extra 15 hours if you want and you will never gain what your body has lost. And it's true. I had a lot of years of that nighttime stuff. Losing out on sleep. I ain't gained none of it back. I'd like to, but I can't. But you see, Jesus, when he went to the cross, he obeyed. 
Did he not ask the Father, if there's another way, let this cup pass from me? Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He obeyed the Father. He listened to what God had given him. He went to the cross because he was obedient. How much more should we be obedient to him? Amen? And I know we can get tired, but you know what? It's our responsibility. You see, he said in this scripture here that work out your own salvation. Let me ask you this. Are you saved? If you are, what are you to do now? You're to work out your own salvation because nobody else can do it for you. The day I got saved, I don't care how many people was praying, and they could have hooked a bunch of mules to me and drug me to the altar, but salvation wouldn't come until it was right, right here. And as I'm learning the word, and as I'm growing, and as you're learning the word, and as you're growing, you're working out your salvation. With fear and trembling, it tells us. It is your responsibility. It is my responsibility to do that. Now, my children, when they were little, they didn't get to stay home by themselves. Because their maturity level wasn't there. As they got older, we could trust them more. Then they got to stay home by themselves. We wanted them to be safe. We wanted them to be okay. But it didn't happen until their maturity level had raised. It's the same thing with us as believers. We are to be mature. We're supposed to be responsible. And it's my responsibility to make sure I get right with God. It's my responsibility that when I see something in this word and my body and my life ain't matching up to it, it's to make, take care of business. Now, i got news for you. You're not going to do stuff on your own. Only he's going to be able to do it. You say, well, I don't, I don't really understand all that. It's like this. When you learn something that God has showed to you, here's the, big, here's the real picture. If change hasn't come about in your life, it's because you didn't want it. Let me say that again. If this change hasn't come about in your life, it's because you did not want it. And I've heard the testimonies of people that's had addictions and things like that. And they said, you know what? God instantly gave it to me because I went to him and said, Lord, you've got to do this. I can't. They really and truly wanted that change to happen in their life. And the change happened. You see, some things, uh, it comes down to our responsibility. It's what we're to, to do. You see, Paul was saying to these people, you know what? You was doing okay while I was here. Now I'm telling you to keep doing okay when I'm not here. It's kind of like us preachers showing up at somebody's house. And all the dust is gone. The, everything's been fluffed and feathered. And all this is done. And anything that might be remotely out of place of what should be in a Christian's home will get hid. We might not even get invited to that home because they don't want to go through it. But you know, God's always there. You know, it, it's amazing. I know who we're going to get to come and preach. 
I may or may not tell you what night. Simply because you're to be coming here for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now there's people that if they find out I'm not going to be at church on that Sunday, we're out of town or whatever, ain't many of them. I ain't got that many that's close with me like that. They won't show up to church. Because they're not serving Jesus. They're all about Ken. And I can put out on Facebook or Sweetie, I don't have Facebook, I don't play that game. Sweetie can put out on Facebook that Brother Murphy will be preaching next Sunday. We'll see people we ain't seen in six months even coming from other churches. And it's true. It's not his problem. That's their problem. You see what I'm talking about? Throw him a curveball. Tell him Brother Murphy's going to preach and we'll get Wesley to preach one morning. Now, am I getting right on it? Am I, am I talking it or not? Following the man. When you follow the man, when trouble comes, you're going to try to lean on the man. And if the man don't give you the word, you're going to get led astray. If the man falls, what are you going to do then? Because what you was worshiping says, well, I ain't going to have nothing to do with church anymore. That's because you was about the man and not about Jesus. That's what it's about. That's exactly what it is. It don't get any clearer than that. Uh, that. That's what he was telling these people. You go ahead and work out your salvation. You got a job to do. You got a responsibility to do to work out your salvation. You know what's there. Don't just act it because some people are around and then don't act it another time. No, you act it 24-7, 365, every single day of the year as best you can. If you stumble and fall, call on your brothers and sisters and they're going to lift you up. They're going to be praying for you. They're going to be helping you. And we will receive the word. And the word will set us free if we want it. You got to want it. You got to want to have this so that your light can shine. Why do you think the world is so mixed up now? Churches are so mixed up now. There is so much stuff being thrown out that's called the gospel, that's called the word. Well, that's just my interpretation of it. Let me touch you on a, on a simple thing, friend. There is only one interpretation of the Bible, and that is what it says. We don't get to bend it how we want. We don't get to delete what we want and add to as a matter of fact, I think we get warned about that, don't we? That's a bad thing to do. Take the word for what it is, let it come in, and let it work. You see, maturity, as a Christian, we're not supposed to always be on the milk. We're supposed to be growing, and we can take the word, we can take the meat. And it's our responsibility to obey the Lord. That's a sign of our maturity. Work out your own salvation. You don't have to have somebody always to take your hand. Oh my goodness, did I just talk about something there? Always got to have somebody taking you by the hand. You got to hold on to Jesus. He ain't going to let you down. He ain't going to... He ain't going to hurt you. Well, he might hurt your feelings if you ain't, if you ain't wanting to be with him. But he's not going to hurt you intentionally. we got to hold on to who Jesus is. And that's a part of letting our light shine. See, it's our salvation. It's your salvation. It's up to you to work it out. See, it's like mining. You know, I come from mining places back there. Let's say I own the mine. I own the mine. It's mine. My mine is mine. 
That don't hardly sound right, do it? A lot of those mines back home, some of them you can go back in the mountain and you go a long ways and it just gets right deep back in there, but some of them are shaft mines. You've got to go down and you've got to get it. You've got to get what is yours. It's my gold, it's my coal, it's my whatever we're trying to get out, but I've got to dig deep to get it. And brothers and sisters, as believers in Christ, we're digging deep. You're getting taught today to dig deep. That's what revival is about, right? We've got to go deep with God. We've got to let God do something in us. Otherwise, we get content. Otherwise, we'll let anything under the sun draw us away from the Lord, draw us away from the assembling of ourselves. If we ain't careful, the devil will sneak in. So I have to dig down into me, into this mind. I have to dig down and let the word show me me. Show me what God's wanting to do. It's mine. It's my mind. My mind is mine. Did I say that right? Did y'all understand what I just said? That's what working out your salvation is about. The day I got saved, the day you got saved, you weren't perfect. There were things you didn't know about the Bible. It certainly was true for me. I didn't own a Bible. Didn't know anything about it. But as we dig deeper and as we let more come in, that's when the growth starts to happen. And that is the part of working out our salvation. And it says to do it with fear and trembling. How much of that do we have today, the fear and the trembling part? The reason we're seeing churches the way they are, the reason we're seeing the decline and all these things, there ain't enough fear and trembling going on. Why? We don't believe in who God is. We're not being taught who God is. We're not being taught that there is a standard, that there's responsibility that falls on us. Are you not even the least little bit nervous that you might miss out on God's will or His plan for your life? I am. I mean, <laughs> I ask God to use me in ministry. I've done the best that I can. I'm sure there's some times God says, no, you could have done better. And there will be even more coming. But I have asked him to help me in this thing called ministry. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. I don't know what someone needs to hear when they're dealing with something. I don't know that. Only he does. And I get a little fearful sometimes that I might get in his way and cost somebody the growth that he has intended for them. That's the kind of fear I'm talking about. I'm not afraid of the world. I'm not afraid of what they can bring to me. I'm afraid of what, am I going to be able to serve the Lord the way he wanted? Is somebody going to talk to me today over here eating soup and ask a question and my, I want to be ready. I want to be able to give that. And I do have that fear that I will get in the way of him. Because of what I want to say or what I want to believe. And brothers and sisters, that's something we've got to be careful with. We have got to do the word. That's the only truth that there is. And that's the fear and the trembling I believe that he's talking about. We have to remember of the weakness that we have in our flesh and these worldly ways that are around us and that we came from. And also of the wiles of the devil of what he's going to bring on us. We work out our salvation with fear and trembling. See, today we have some sort of casual Christianity. I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you really serving Jesus? 
Or do you think that you're doing God a wild favor by showing up this morning? This morning is not service. This is preparation for service. Showing up at church is not service. Well, I did God a favor. I showed up this week. And friends, it's our responsibility. You see, we don't work for our salvation. We work it out. And I'm telling you this morning, if you're saved, you are working for God. It's the birthmark of every Christian. Somebody who's serving. Somebody who is doing for Jesus. You ain't quit living yet. Sister Marion, you've you, you got a walker and you can't go see about a thousand people a week. I'm sure you'd love to. But you ain't dead yet. And you can serve. You can pray. You can make the phone calls and talk to people, which you do. You call me sometimes, and it, you know, it's something I need to hear. It's something that brings us to this place. We all have that to do. That is our responsibility. And I want you to know this morning, every one of you, look at yourself, and you are the perfect candidate for the job. Did you know that? I don't care what the job is. You are the perfect candidate for the job. Yes, you are. You see, <coughs> excuse me. We always hear that we don't have what it takes. We always hear that we're not equipped. We always hear that we don't have enough schooling or we don't know these kinds of things. We always hear that we're not smart enough. We always hear that we don't have the right health. We don't have the resources, the money, all these things that we need. Oh, I don't have the right personality to be this kind of person. And you see, before you long, we start telling God uh, what kind of mistake that he's made in calling us. How dare us to call an omnipotent God who knows everything that he's wrong in calling me. That he's wrong in calling you, calling myself. We can't do that. He has this power. And you know what? If he tells us to do something, he's going to give us everything we need to carry it out. Everything to carry it out. You see, the power comes from him. And it's an insult to him when we sit back and say, well, I can't do this or I can't do that. No, folks, it boils down to I will or I will not. That's what it boils down to. Okay, so Ashley don't have the people she had. They're not even coming to church anymore. A lot of them didn't want to face themselves. Preaching got too tight. But I see a bunch of people sitting in here who can join this woman in ministry. We've been talking about Sunday school class and needing teachers. Brother Willie's had to step out. Now, did we get so content that he was just the teacher and that was that? Occasionally he'd ask Brother Murphy or somebody to teach just so that you could hear somebody different. No. I think God's opened the door here and said, are you going to serve me or you're not? Every one of you sitting in here, most of you are advanced Christians. You have an ability to teach a Sunday school class, to teach on a Wednesday night, to serve. This is not knocking on nobody. This is between you and the Lord to work it out. But I'm telling you what he's told me. Every one of us can do that. 
Brother Murphy's retired now. He's not going to go. He's not going to take another church up, I don't think. But he's done told me if I need help, he will step in and fill in any time he can, any way he can. That's servant. And you're doing some Sunday, Sunday, Sunday school teaching, ain't you? And every one of us were perfect for the job. In verse 13, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Now, if God tells me to do something, he's going to enable me to do it. This doesn't mean that I just get to sit around and say, all right, God, it's time for you to start working. And let me see your hands. If you ever prayed that prayer, I'm going to raise mine first. God, it's time for you to start working. I've done put it back on God. That's how conniving that we are. Old preacher's conniving. Did you not know that? I've done that. Lord, it's time for you to start working. See, folks, God has his part, and we got our part. That's the bottom line. And he's waiting for us to work with him. It's kind of like this. Anybody know anything much about cars? John does. You can help me with this if I get off. Now, back in the day, and I, I, my grandpa had one, that car didn't have power steering. Now, as long as you're going about 100 miles an hour down the road, you can turn that thing with your finger. But you got an old, stony, rocky, chug-holy road doing about two or three or four or five miles an hour, and that thing would break your arm if you got it stuck in there when it hit a hole or a rock. You understand what I'm talking about? Every one of you came to church this morning with your automobiles up there, and they have power steering. You see, the power steering is kind of like God. You've got to take the wheel, and you've got to turn. If he tells you to go this way, you go. It's not about what you can do. It's about his power now kicking in and getting you through it. Do you understand that? So that idea that I can't, or here's a good one, I've already done. Really? I've already done. And then we pull our list out, big old long one, everything we've ever done for the Lord. And God's saying, no, I need you to keep doing it. I need you to step up and do again. I need you to keep on going. I need you to teach. I need you to train. And that's exactly what God does to us. Amen? Why do you think you're here? Why do you think you're here in this place at this moment, in this time frame of, uh, of our time, of what's going on and the needs that we have as a church, why do you think you're here? To serve. To serve. And it's our responsibility. That's a part of working out our salvation. You see, we're to look after his business, to be about his business. You see, a lot of folks will say, well, I don't have the desire. It's not my fault that I don't have the desire anymore. I want you to listen to me right now for what I'm about to say. Everybody wake up. Wake up. Clap your hands. I need you awake. I need you awake. I need you awake. I know I've got that voice and, you know, it, it happens. I need you awake. If you've got to stand up, stand up. We say that we don't have the desire anymore. 
Folks, if there is no desire to serve God, you need a checkup. Because it may very well be that you need salvation. know anything about pastoring before you started? Not so much, no. Yeah, me neither. I'm not sure I do know either. <laughs> yeah, me either. Just because when you think you got it, God's going to put you in a place to let you know you ain't got it. With you. I'm going to pick on you. Can I pick on you just for a second? Don't you never think and don't let the devil or anyone else tell you that you are not capable of doing what God has for you to do. Because brothers and sisters, if you've got God, you've got all that you need. All things are possible through him. All things are possible through him. We've got all that we need sitting here. We're short in numbers this morning. We've got all we need to eat up all this soup. We got all that we need if we have God. We have all that we need to get this work done. We have all that we need. If he's made the call, he will make the way. If he's called you to do something, then do it. Follow what he's given you to do. And just be available. We're supposed to be available for him. And we're supposed to, look here in Philippians 2 and 14, do all things without complaining and disputing. Think about that one. Do it without complaining and disputing. Do you know what murmuring is? Murmuring is a half-concealed, half-uttered complaint. Well, I'm not going to totally say it, but I kind of, you know, that's what it is. That's all that murmuring is. Murmuring is just that. Moses was listening to these people, and God said, you know what they're doing, Moses? They're murmuring. But guess what? They're not murmuring against you. They're murmuring against me because I'm the one that called you. I'm the one that placed you. I'm the one that's given you the marching orders. And their murmuring is not against you. It's against me. That's what God said to Moses about murmuring. They didn't make it to the promised land. So before you get ready to start murmuring, because I have a way of dealing with that. And I don't want to close the doors for ideals to come. But don't come to me and tell me everything that's wrong with this ministry or that ministry because I will give you the opportunity to do it since you know so much how it's supposed to be done. We'll close that door or open it, either one, and it'll be your choice as to whether or not you want it done or not. See, God calls us. He calls us. He wants us. And, you know, when it comes to this Sunday school class, we're not asking you to commit for every Sunday. Maybe God is. Maybe he ain't. Maybe he's saying give me one a month, one every two months. Can we not commit to that? Huh? When it comes to working in children's ministry and helping Ashley out, can we not commit to a little bit? When it comes to the work that we have to do in this church, can we not commit to a little bit? Come five weeks from now, can you not commit five days to come to revival that hopefully, and I'm praying, 
I am praying that we'll get so on fire for God that we'll just be working on messages the next week and the next week and the next week. That revival will come and this place will catch on fire and we will start seeing people getting healed. We'll start seeing people who can make it to the doctor but they can't make it to church. They'll be in here worshiping. They'll be in here dancing. You can't come in here and people see God uh, moving in you and that you're running the aisles that you were sitting in a wheelchair if you're sitting at home. You can't do that. You have to show up. You got to show up. You got to show up and you got to let the Lord work so that His light can shine. How else will we know? Come on, you know what I'm talking about this morning. We have got to get hungry for God and we've got to get Him into the house. Amen? Because you know what grumbling and disputing will do? It'll get in our way of being able to serve. Because we know we've already stuck it out there against that guy. And there ain't no way I'm stepping up for somebody to say it about me. Now what's your life about there? Is it about God or is it about you? Whew. Do we want the Lord to move among us? And it comes down to our hunger. It's all about how hungry we are for God's presence in this house. It's about how hungry we are for God's presence in our own individual lives and inside of our families. That's what it's about. Did Jesus murmur and complain on his way to the cross? And he is our example. He asked one time, I don't want to do this, can it pass? And the father said, no. This is the only way it can get done. And he said, okay. And he put on his big boy britches. And he said, all right, boys, bring it on. He told Judas, what you got to do, go now. He's still in control. Even when the bad stuff won't, God's still in control. You do it now. Go now. Don't make no haste. I mean, don't make no waste. Go now. Make haste. Get there. Get it done. That's what he did. Verse 15, and I'm about done, y'all. That you may become blameless and harmless. Do you see that? Blameless and harmless. Are you blameless? If this church fails, will you be to blame? If our neighborhood is not reached, will we or will you be to blame if your children don't hear the gospel will you be to blame that's the question you see when we're blameless we're harmless that's when we get to this place of blameless and harmless I had somebody said how many of your members are active used to hear how many do you got then I used to hear what your Sunday attendance. Like it's some measuring stick. It's a braggadocious thing. The guys that ain't got much attendance, they say, oh, we're getting by, we're making do, we're trusting God, we're holding on to him, we're getting through it. And you already know that's a guy that's beaten down because attendance ain't happening. But the guy that's got the Sunday services is just overflowing and just going nuts. Oh, yeah, we're running three services a day. Yeah, we had, oh, I don't know, 200 in this service, 175 in the other one. And they will start laying out the list of everything they've done. 
You know what my answer is? Every one of them is active. They're either building or they're tearing down. Every member of this church, every member that is the church of God, is either building or tearing down. Are you blameless? Mm. That's tough, isn't it? Someone's either blameable or blameless. It's one or the other. If every member of this church were like you, as an individual, you look at you only. Don't look across the aisle. Don't look at your wife, your husband, your kids. If every member of this church was like you, what kind of church would it be? You want to know what's wrong with our church? There's a bathroom over there. When you're on your way over there to wash your hands and before you eat, there's a mirror hanging on the wall. Just look in it. That's what's right and that's what's wrong with our church. And every church in the world, that's what's right and that's what's wrong. Because there's coming a day of accountability. There's coming a day that we're going to stand before Jesus and we're going to give an account of everything we've done, everything we've said. Amen. Now, after this message, Ashley should have like a thousand. Well, we don't have that many people. But you understand what I'm talking about. This is not to beat up. You ain't died yet. And if you want to see the doors closed on the church that you like coming to someday because we just got content. like it just the way it is, leave me alone. I'm paying my tithes. I'm giving my money. I'm praying on the prayer line. I don't want to be a part of the prayer line. Whatever it may be, life's good. Workers together with him. And I'm going to tell you, sweetie, you got an assignment, honey. Lizzie, you got an assignment. Randy, you have an assignment. Brother Gary, you got an assignment. Y'all got an assignment. Everybody in here has an assignment. My dear, you have an assignment. Mm -hmm. Cheese balls at Christmas and praying. <laughs> no, I'm playing. You know what I mean. We all have an assignment. Stand to your feet this morning, if you will. Because we're getting ready for revival. That's what all this teaching has been about. I can't get you screaming and shouting over, over Jesus if he really ain't leading us. And I don't want that to happen because whenever we start screaming and shouting and running the aisles, I want it to be the Holy Ghost that's moving among us. Amen? Amen. And that means we're growing. That means we're still growing up. That means we're burning. How can a light where does light come from? Think about it. Something called in a light bulb called tungsten. You know how you got light? Because it's burning. How does the sun give off light? Because it's burning. How does the Christian give off light? Because he's burning. 
He's on fire for the Lord. He's excited about souls getting saved. He's excited about people who are hurting and say, hey, I can go to this piece of scripture and I believe this will help you rather than saying I don't want to get involved. Because that's exactly what the devil wants. You just sit still and be quiet. Everything's fine. The pastor's got it. You just sit still and be fine. Somebody else has got that. They got a Bible. They know how to read it. Oh, no. We're to be lights. We are to be lights. We are to be lights. And, folks, we're going to give an accountability one day before the Lord. We will stand before him. Don't fool yourself and think that we won't. We will stand before him and give an account of everything. Let your light shine in this dark world. Yes, it's getting bad, but it ain't over yet. The boat ain't left yet. Let your little light shine. I want to invite you to come and pray this morning. And I want you to really seek the Lord. Wherever you're at, I want you praying this morning. The only way you get out of praying this morning is if you just say, I will not. I'm telling you now, the Holy Ghost is asking you to pray so that he can reveal to you what you need to be doing for him. And work with him. Work with him. Walk with him. And call on him. Call on him. Our pastor, our, our former pastor, and our former stater, he's gone to the altar now to call upon God to show him what more he needs to do. What more do you need to do? Call upon the Lord this morning. We all can't be preachers, folks. But we can, every one of us, be a reacher. We can reach people for the Lord. Every one of us. Every one of us can reach those that are lost. He says in the scripture that if we do this thing called Christianity and we don't win one soul for the Lord, we don't lead somebody to a place of light, we have wasted our time. Because that's what he said, we've run in vain. We've wasted our time.